Riot Out Loud, a podcast by Chasing the Rainbows, with your host, Bernice Quisenberry. This week's episode is called Bree's Reoccurring Losses, Secondary Infertility, Adoption, and Rainbow Baby. Hey everyone, this is Bree from the Bree and B segment. Um, I am flying solo today, so I have this awesome opportunity to share with you my personal journey. Um, it's a journey filled with a lot of loss, um, a lot of hope, a lot of love, um, and it really at the center of all that is a focus on my relationship with God and how that has strengthened over the years as I went through my losses. Um, So again, this is a personal journey. I am here today, not um, as part of Chasing the Rainbows, but with you as a survivor, a a survivor just like you guys. And um, I just, you know, a little disclaimer, Chasing the Rainbows is not a religious affiliated organization. Um, Chasing the Rainbows accepts everyone who's grieving infertility, miscarriage, stillbirth, and infant loss. All survivors' grief journeys are different. We know that. Um, Their beliefs are different, but my hope for you is that you find a connection to some part of my story, even if it's, you know, all of our stories are so different, but even if you can take away some small piece of my journey um, and feel connected to that, that's my hope today. Um, Like I said, it's a journey of faith, really, at the core of it, and I'm excited to share it with you. I have in the past alluded to the fact that I have done um, speaking engagements about my testimony. Um, I have a testimony written out that I have worked on and I would love to read that to you today. So I'm gonna go ahead and do that. Um, Again, thanks for listening and I hope you find some encouragement in my story. So we'll start at the beginning. Going back to my history, um, I grew up going to church I regularly attended church. I was involved in youth group. Overall, I was a great kid who loved Jesus. On the outside, things were going great, and I thought I was doing religion well. But if I was being honest, my religion was very surface level. And it wasn't until I experienced all these trials I'm about to speak about um, that my faith roots really began to dig down deep and my relationship with Jesus soared to new levels. So my husband and I had our first daughter, which I've spoken about many times here on the podcast on December 26, 2009. Her name is Ella. Uh, the pregnancy, the pregnancy with Ella went so smooth. There was um, not even a thought that I could possibly miscarry her. It was a very carefree pregnancy. At this point in our lives, my little family attended church mostly just on Easter and Christmas, but occasionally on a random Sunday, if we could squeeze it into our schedule. Somehow that seemed acceptable to me at the time, but what I didn't know was that God wanted me, yes, imperfect me, to go even deeper with him. He wasn't okay with my surface level religion, and he knew that I deserved better. And so began the great work he began to do in my life. So shortly after Ella turned three, I became pregnant again, and we were so excited. However, our joy abruptly ended at our nine-week ultrasound when we discovered that our pregnancy was a blighted ovum, which is when the sac forms, um, but the baby never grows. 
So we were shocked, obviously devastated. Um, everything had gone so well with Ella. So we couldn't believe that something like that could happen to us. But we quickly decided that we wanted to start trying again. Six months later, it finally happened. Two blue lines. We were really excited. Uh, but this time, unfortunately, my carefree outlook on pregnancy was tainted. So I was cautiously optimistic. At our nine-week appointment, our ultrasound, my cautious optimism turned to pure joy as I saw the flicker of my sweet baby's heart fluttering away inside my womb. Finally, the baby we've been hoping for and trying for was actually going to happen. My pregnancy progressed well, and despite some morning sickness, I felt wonderful. On December 16th, 2013, I was at an OB appointment. It was just a routine appointment, and um, the nurse pulled out the Doppler machine to listen to my baby's heartbeat. I remember feeling really excited to hear it. I even had my um, phone out because I wanted to record it since my husband couldn't be there with me in the office. But as the nurse scanned my stomach for the heartbeat, I slowly began to panic because she couldn't find it. She assured me that this could be normal since I was only 16 weeks at this point and the baby could be in a position that just didn't allow the Doppler to pick up the heartbeat. I smiled at her, but I Deep down, I kind of knew something wasn't right. They immediately ushered me down the hall to the ultrasound room. As I was laying there, I remember intently watching the tech's face, waiting for her to smile and tell me the baby's fine. But the smile never came. I'll never forget the look on her face as she silently scanned my belly. The silence was torture. Finally, she looked at me she put down the ultrasound probe and she told me the doctor would be right in. Seconds later, the doctor walked in and said, I'm sorry, Brianna, the baby has passed away. And I think I went into shock. I felt paralyzed. I just sat there in silence, motionless for several minutes. They asked me if I wanted to call my husband, but I couldn't speak. How was I going to tell him this? Eventually, I found the strength to call him. He drove out to meet me and to be by my side as I was induced. At approximately 5 p.m. on December 17th, I gave birth to a beautiful little boy we named Landon. We welcomed him into this world and had to say goodbye to him all at the same time. Landon was born still, and at that moment, my world also stood still. Going through labor and giving birth to a son I knew I would never be able to bring home left me physically mentally and emotionally drained. In my small-mindedness, I didn't understand why God was allowing this to happen. But God sees things that we can't see. He orchestrates things that we know nothing about, and it's always for our good. We need to trust him in all circumstances, whether good or bad. When we got home from the hospital later that night, I remember collapsing on the bathroom floor feeling completely broken. As I hit my knees, I begged God to take this pain away. It was just too much to bear on my own. In that moment, I completely surrendered myself to Jesus. What else was I going to do? My husband literally had to pick me up off the bathroom floor and carry me to bed. Something changed in me that day. I always say it was the worst day of my life, but it also turned out to be the best day of my life because that awful night 
was the day I recommitted myself to God and the desire to know him more became a new focus in my life. We began to attend church regularly. And for the next two years, I experienced God's amazing grace in all aspects of my life. I began to grow deeper into a relationship with him and it became very evident that his grace and peace were the only things keeping me from spiraling into a deep depression as I continued to mourn the loss of our son, Landon. Landon's death brought me back to God and there's no earthly joy that could ever compare to my salvation. Over the next year, we went on to experience two additional pregnancy losses that were all, they were both in the first tri trimester. With each pregnancy came emotional whiplash, which I'm sure many of you can understand. We would have a brief period of excitement followed by anxiety and ultimately when the pregnancies ended, disappointment and sadness. We stopped sharing the news of our pregnancies with family and friends, including our daughter, because the pain of having to tell everyone we lost the baby a few weeks later just became too exhausting. My doctors decided to run some tests to see if there was an, a physical explanation for our losses. It was discovered that I had a fibroid that had formed in my uterus and was causing my pregnancies to end once the baby got so big because there wasn't enough room for it to grow. So back on February 11th, 2015, I ended up having surgery to remove that fibroid. According to the doctor, it was the biggest fibroid he had ever seen and literally caused my uterus to be divided into two chambers. The surgery was a success. And for once, we had hope that the problem was fixed and we could finally have the baby we'd been dreaming about. A few weeks after the surgery, we were pregnant again. Finally, we were pregnant again. This was definitely going to happen this time. We were so excited because we fixed the reason why I kept losing the babies. Well, our great hopes were dashed around week nine when we once again lost our little one. We convinced ourselves that perhaps it was just too soon after surgery and just, I haven't healed yet, but we decided to keep on trying. Four months later, two blue lines, nine weeks passed then 12, then 17. We were so excited. We finally felt that we were far enough along that we could share the exciting news with our daughter, Ella. It was a Thursday afternoon and I went to the store, bought a bunch of balloons, shoved them into a box, and I recorded our daughter opening the box as pink balloons filled the air around her. She was so excited and you could feel it in the air. It was palpable. She, Ella had been praying for a sibling for so long, and so she was super duper excited. Four days later, on January 11th, 2016, I went in for my 18-week checkup. As they scanned my belly with a Doppler, my stomach began to go into my throat as they scanned and scanned for what felt like an eternity. The doctor finally stopped and said she wanted me to get an ultrasound. She assured me that at 18 weeks, this could be completely normal not to find a heartbeat with a Doppler, but I've heard that before. My heart knew otherwise, and I already knew. Sorry. <laughs> As the tech began to scan my belly, I looked at the screen. At this point, I'd become an expert at interpreting ultrasounds because I've had so many. She hovered over the heart and it didn't move. 
this is a joke, right? It's all I could think about. I physically, mentally, and emotionally could not do this again. He just told Ella. My first reaction was, how am I going to tell my husband and my daughter? On January 12th, 2016, I delivered our stillborn daughter, Emma. When I delivered her, the doctor gasped out loud. The cord was wrapped around her neck three times. We all took turns holding Emma, including our daughter, Ella. I'll never forget when it was time to leave the hospital. I was all packed up and my husband had gone out to the car. Emma was laying there in the bassinet next to the bed. And it was just her and I in the room. I can close my eyes and still see her laying there. I remember physically not being able to leave the room. I didn't want to leave her. I knew she wasn't there, but I couldn't bring myself to leave her in that room all alone. And the nurse came in and she quickly picked up on my struggle. She asked if it was okay to hold Emma so I could leave. I agreed as I was wheeled out of the room. I looked back to see the nurse holding Emma, praying over her and singing to her. And I was able to leave the room. I'll never forget that nurse and how she helped me in that moment. With the loss of Emma, something was different this time, though. I was completely devastated, yes. But this time, I had hope. I knew I would be okay. God had gotten me through this nightmare before, and I knew he would carry me through it again. Despite my tears and my sadness, I still had joy, as crazy as that sounds. But if you know my Jesus, you know that's not crazy at all. Through the loss of our daughter, Emma... I learned that there's a huge difference between being happy and having joy that only God can provide. I'm living proof that you can be sad, but still be joyful. I've learned that joy does not depend on my circumstances, but it's eternal and it's something that no hardship could ever take away from me. Something in me told me to keep trying. I can't explain it, but I just knew we were meant to have another child. Everyone thought we were crazy for wanting to keep trying. Haven't we endured enough, people would ask us? Why would you want to keep doing that to yourselves? Because we had hope. And hope makes suffering bearable. During the next year, we struggled with infertility. The doctors convinced me that fertility treatments were the way to go. So for months, I went through dozens of blood draws, ultrasounds, injections, tears, and our entire savings account. All the treatments were unsuccessful. Meanwhile, I struggled with thoughts of jealousy. Have you ever wanted something so bad and had to sit back as your desire was granted to everyone around you except for you? A promotion given to someone else but not you. Health restored but not yours. Financial security while you're continuing to struggle. Freedom to leave an abusive relationship but you can't. A baby to hold but not for you. Jealousy that forms from an outsider's situation is a slippery road to go down because those thoughts are not of God. Who are we to question the blessings God allows? Easier said than done, right? I struggled with jealousy for a very long time. It seemed everyone I knew was getting pregnant. Some were even trying to get pregnant and poof, pregnant. Are you kidding me? My jealous thoughts often consumed me until I stumbled across 
Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. This verse took my breath away when I read it because I knew God was speaking to me and the jealousy I was feeling. This verse reminded me that every new life is beautiful and I should be celebrating these new lives, not being bitter and jealous of what I didn't have. I repeated this verse in my head anytime I was struck with thoughts of jealousy, which at this point was daily. After a year of trying, which let me just say is very hard on a marriage, we decided to stop trying. God intended sex to be a beautiful connection between husband and wife, but for us, it turned into a perfectly timed chore. The emotional and physical toll of the last four years was difficult for both my, myself and my incredible husband. Talk about a patient, caring, and supportive man. Anyway, we still felt that God was calling us to be parents again, but we began to think that maybe God was calling us down a different path, a path of adoption. We went to some informational meetings about fostering with the intent to adopt, but both of us left that session feeling like it just wasn't right for our family. I was really struggling at this point. How could I feel so strongly that our family wasn't complete, yet I couldn't get pregnant and adoption didn't feel like the right path for us? Once again, and for once, I, I completely relinquished control and asked God to lead us. I completely surrendered and stopped trying to figure out what God's plan was for our family. And instead, I just let God take control and allowed him to take the lead. It actually felt really great. It felt great to not be in control and knowing that God was before me and I didn't need to worry about what would happen to me next because it was already planned. There's such freedom in giving up control. After I surrendered my ways and gave up control to God, a few short weeks later, I was pregnant. No trying, no planning involved, just God's perfect timing. Although the pregnancy was going well, it wasn't without its challenges. Although I was a changed person at this point, I was still very struck with such fear during my pregnancy, the entire pregnancy. At every appointment, I would hold my breath. I'd make myself physically ill because I was just waiting for the ball to drop. I regret this now, but during my pregnancy, I built an emotional wall so high that I intentionally never connected with my baby. If I didn't connect with her, then losing her wouldn't be so painful. I also hid my pregnancy from everyone, including some family, friends, and even our daughter. When I began to show, I wore baggy clothes and dodged people at the store so they wouldn't see me. I didn't want anyone to know because then once I lost the baby, I wouldn't have to tell everyone what happened. After one of my appointments later on, and once Ella knew I was pregnant, I remember her asking me, Mommy, when is this baby going to die? As a mom, that's a really hard one to digest. I just sobbed because my daughter didn't know any different. She thought it was normal for mommy to get pregnant and the baby to die because that's what just always happened. Then one day, I came across a verse that helped control my fear. Psalm 112, 7. 
They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Before and during every appointment, I would repeat this verse over and over and over in my head. I still do to this day when I'm struck with fear. It calmed me. It grounded me. It kept me from going completely insane from the fear. Another thing I struggled with was guilt. I felt really guilty for being pregnant. Over the past five years, my eyes were opened to the immense pain of infertility and pregnancy loss. I know how hard it was to be walking down that road and struggle not to be jealous of others who were pregnant. I felt guilty because I knew that my pregnancy would be the reason someone else would feel je jealous, angry, and resentful. By the grace of God, on December 22nd, 2017, I gave birth to a perfect and beautiful little girl. Her name is Claire, and she's our miracle. Claire was perfectly formed in my womb and given to us at just the right time. Psalm 139, 13, 14 states, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I knew that full well. And guess who her nurse was? You're not even going to guess. I'm not kidding you. It was the same nurse who held Emma so I could find the strength to leave that room after I delivered her. It was unbelievable. When she walked into the room and I was there with Claire, I started bawling. The moment she walked in, she probably thought I was a lunatic at first. <laughs> but after I explained myself, we hugged and cried because she remembered that day too. It was a full circle moment. And it was the kind of moment that only God could have orchestrated. Do I wish I could have Landon, Emma, and our other four children here in my arms right now? Absolutely. Every second of every day, I long to hold them. Would I change what happened? I wouldn't. God has used my trials and transformed them into blessings. Landon's death brought me back to God, and there's no earthly joy that could ever compare to my salvation. Through Emma's death, I experienced true joy despite my grief. Through this journey, God taught me to be content through life's ups and downs and to wait patiently on him. Instead of trying to orchestrate my life events, I learned to let go of that control and trust that God's plan and timing are perfect. All along, I was being shaped and molded in preparation for when the time was just right. During this valley, I changed. I changed in all aspects, including my controlling ways. My whole world revolved around trying to have another baby. I was so focused on that desire when all along God wanted me to desire him above all else. Instead of praying for my own selfish desires, I began praying for God to work in and through me so that I might draw closer to him and know his will for my life in a more intimate way. I began to bear fruits that I'd never worn before, and my world was changed when I simply focused on strengthening my relationship with Jesus and less on asking for what I thought I needed. I wanted a baby, and God gave me grace. I wanted a baby. God gave me hope. I wanted a baby, and God gave me peace. 
I wanted a baby and God gave me joy that surpasses all understanding. Friends, if you aren't getting what you want, what you're praying for, turn to God and make him the desire of your heart and you'll be provided with everything you need. God is the most high and ever knowing. He knows what we need and he's always with us. He never leaves us, even in the valleys, especially in the valleys. Friends, I am so thankful that you tuned in today to listen to my story, my testimony as a very personal um, story for me. One I've shared a lot, but I have not shared that yet. Um, and I am thankful for the opportunity to do so. I pray that, you know, if you can't connect with all of my story, you can at least connect with a piece of it um, and find hope in that. Um, and please know that we are always with you. Fertility loss, infant loss, and baby loss survivors. Thank you for listening. Until next time.